0: Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast, I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Every week I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables, or small stories, to teach kingdom lessons to his followers and God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. Throughout the year, we come together as a church for what we call Global Focus, which is a time for us to intentionally reflect on our value of going into God's world. This past weekend was our fall global focus, so as an extension of that, we'll be joined today by Calvary Global partners Steve and Jemmy Rohr, who are actively seeking to extend the gospel in Japan. Steve and Jemmy are currently in the States for their first extended furlough in 35 years. As we chat, you'll get to hear how God perfectly orchestrated this time away, and you'll hear stories of some of the amazing ways that God is at work in Japan. Because the Roars have been in ministry for over three decades, they've had the opportunity to see some of the fruits of their labor come full circle, which they'll also talk about in our conversation. Before we jump in, I want to give you just a small taste of what's on the horizon over the next few months here on Pursuing Life. As we approach the holidays, this will be our last episode of 2023. So we hope that you'll take the end of this year to rest, reflect, and even catch up on some past episodes that you might have missed. We'll be back with an all-new episode on the first Monday of 2024, when we'll jump into the new year by hearing from some of our elders, who will be starting their new terms in January. Beyond that, we have some awesome series in the works, but we'll tell you more about that later. Now, without further delay, let's hear from Steve and Jemmy. Well, Steve and Jemmy, thanks so much for being here today. Well, thanks for having us. I would love to have you start by just introducing yourselves. So where do you live and do ministry? How long have you been there? How long have you been connected with Calvary Church and those sorts of things?
1: Uh, well, we are Stephen and Jimmy Rohr, and we are uh, working in Japan. We've been there for 35 years. Wow! And right now we are back in the States for our first extended furlough in that 35 years. So we're here for nine months, which is a nice break from being in Japan. I actually grew up at Calvary Church. I went to uh, middle school and high school uh, nearby at Lampeter Strasburg. And so I grew up here.
2: I got connected to the church through Steve. Okay, Um, His mother was on the missions board, and she was very influential in getting us with global partners with, with Calvary.
0: Okay. So this is your first extended furlough in 35 years. What has that been like?
1: So... Uh, we went to Japan as bivocational missionaries, okay. and so I was supporting us, or we were both were working as teachers. Okay. And then after Jimmy had children, she stayed at home, and I was working to support us. And then I was volunteering in the church and doing other work as a volunteer. And so because I was working in schools, I had to be there for school. And so the only time we could come back was in the summer. Mm. And so we would come back in the summer every three or four years, like for six weeks or something like that, which um, was very hectic. And so, you know, trying to see our parents in different parts of the country. And we usually only had like two weeks, maybe three weekends at Calvary Church. And so, I think there are many people that have been praying for us that recognize our names, but they've never met us, and so it's been really great to be here and be able to just be a part of Calvary Church and attend ABFs without being the speaker every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's it's been very nice and uh, much less hectic for us.
0: Good. How long have you been home, and then when do you plan to go
2: back? We came to the to the states on June eighth, and we will return the end of February.
0: Okay. That is a nice extended time.
1: Yeah, about nine months.
0: Yeah. What have you been up to so far?
2: Well, at the beginning, we were able to go to Seattle and arrive four hours before our oldest daughter gave birth to her first child. So we were able to spend two weeks just cuddling and enjoying him. So that was a lot of fun. That sounds so fun.
1: And then our second daughter had her first baby about two weeks ago. Okay. And that has also, it's been just amazing God's timing because neither of them were pregnant when we set up this time to be home and just the privilege of being with them and being able to see those babies right after they were born and hold them and pray for them. And I didn't really, I kind of assumed that was something I was giving up Mm. when we went to Japan, that we would miss out on those kind of things, but God has blessed us.
0: That's really exciting. Is it
2: your First two grandchildren, or do you have others? We have two in Japan. Okay, so our son lives in Japan, is married to a Japanese, and he has a girl and a boy. Okay, so four and two and a half.
0: Okay, oh, so they're still in that really young, fun age. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they are.
0: Oh, and we wow. get
2: to babysit them regularly, so that's a, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love God's timing when he brings us those unexpected things and and how special to be able to meet your two newest grandchildren so soon. Yeah. It's a big blessing. Yeah. Jemmy, you said you didn't grow up here at Calvary. Where did you grow up?
2: My parents were missionaries to Thailand. Okay, And so I grew up, uh, they left when I was a year old to go to Thailand. And then they came back to the States when I was 11. So um, my youth was in Thailand and then they moved to Georgia. And so I lived there until I went to Wheaton where I met Steve. All right. But I was born in Harrisburg and my parents are both from Pennsylvania.
0: No way. Small world. Mm -hmm. And Steve, so your mom was on the mission board. Here at Calvary. Right. So did you kind of grow up with missions as well? What was your background with that?
1: So I grew up here at Calvary Church, and there were regular, uh, you know, missions, uh, what'd they call it back then? Missions conference. We had the missions conference, Uh and they had student day on Saturday during missions conference, and that really had an impact in my life. And I, I still remember very well, 1981, so it's been a long time and the speaker talking about the great commission Mm -hmm. um which was jesus you know final words in the book of matthew one of his last commandments to us and jesus said go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i commanded you and lo i'm with you always even to the end of the age and i really came to understand that was jesus commandment to us was to go and make disciples of the nations. And also he says there that we're supposed to teach them to obey everything that he commanded. And that means me too, that mm-hmm. I'm supposed to obey. And this is one of his commandments that I should obey. And so at that point I decided I would plan to go overseas to share Christ with people in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. And if God wanted me to stay in the United in the United States, then I was willing to do that. But Yeah. That message was about planning to go and willing to stay. And that made a big impact on my life.
0: Wow! And
1: so, yeah, from the time I was 15 years old, I was planning to go as a foreign missionary.
0: Wow. That is such a young age to have that call, but also so special that God laid that on your heart at that point. How did that then impact the trajectory of what you decided to do after high school?
1: Yeah, it really did have a big influence because when I went to to college, I was thinking about how do I prepare to be a missionary? Mm-hmm. And so I started out studying sociology because I wanted to understand people mm-hmm. and how to relate to people. And I ended up switching to philosophy because I wanted to understand people's thinking and ideas. And I especially studied East Asian philosophy, okay. like Buddhism and things, because I wanted to understand I wasn't sure yet where I would go as a missionary, but I I felt like China, Japan, that area, I was very interested in that area.
0: That's awesome that God used that to prepare you for overseas missions and ministry. And what a great way to think through what you're studying and how that's going to impact your next steps.
1: And if I can just add, it also impacted my dating life <laughs> because I... I thought, I want to do what God wants me to do. And I don't want to get distracted and just like settle for living a comfortable life in America, which there's nothing wrong with living in America. And, you know, we need people to be a light for Christ here. But I didn't want to get distracted from what God wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to college, every girl I asked out, one of the first you know, discussions I would have with them was, you know, what are you thinking about your future? And, you know, what are you interested in doing? And do you have any interest in going overseas, uh, like to share Christ in the future? And so usually I asked out missionary kids. So, and that's how I met Jemmy.
0: Yeah. So did you know that Jemmy was a missionary kid? Mm -hmm. You did. Okay. I had heard
1: that and we met at a missions meeting. Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: So Jemmy, for you, when did you kind of first feel that tug towards global ministry? Was it, because you had lived in Thailand or did God use other circumstances and events in your life to lead you to that decision?
2: Well, I think growing up in Thailand had a big influence on me, but we also, I was part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is a huge mission sending church. And so Mm -hmm. we always had missionaries come to our church to, you know, tell us what they were doing. And at that point, I really felt strongly that God wanted me to also commit myself to go overseas. And Mm. I was probably in junior high, maybe junior high, high school when I did that. And also, I the same as Steve, I knew a lot of people who had dedicated themselves to be missionaries and then for one reason or another didn't end up going. And so I also decided that if I was going to date somebody seriously, it would have to be somebody who wanted to go overseas. Mm -hmm. And I also studied sociology and anthropology because I wanted to study cultures and people
0: and at that point, so Steve, you said that you were thinking maybe China, Japan, an Eastern Asian country. Did you have any sense of where God
2: might be calling you at that point, Jimmy? I didn't really feel a call to go back to Thailand. Okay. Um, When I was in college, I had a six-month study program in Africa. Okay. And I had a good time, but I did not feel like that's where God wanted me either. Mm. I did feel like Asia was probably where I wanted to be. In one of my anthropology classes, they were talking about the high suicide rate among high school and junior high kids in Japan. Oh, wow. Because they don't get into the university they need to get into or just other reasons. And I just remember thinking somebody needs to go and tell them, the hope that they can have through Jesus Christ. And Mm. that's where my interest in Japan started.
0: That's pretty incredible that God brought the two of you together with individual passions and very similar trajectories of where you thought he might be leading you. And then also with very similar questions and goals in dating as well.
1: As a high school student, I was thinking very deeply about life. I was kind of a deep thinking guy, so kind of serious. And I saw that knowing christ gave real meaning and purpose to life Mm. and i also heard about japan and japan still has the highest youth suicide rate in the world really Uh, more than 500 kids first through 12th grade committed suicide last year and so i thought you know christ has given me so much purpose in my life and i wanted to share with people in japan that Mm there is much more to life than tests and academics.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, a rate that, one,
2: is alarming,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and two, I would have never known. There, yeah. There's so much pressure on kids to get into the to a good elementary school, which then allows you to get into a good junior high, which then allows you to get into a good high school, which allows you to get into a good college. And if you can get into a really good college, then you're guaranteed a job that's a good job so if you if you can't meet those steps, it's it can be devastating.
0: Yeah, well, w- when you said first through twelfth grade, that seems so young to me. Mm-hmm. But then what happens and and from your experience, what have you seen when people do get into the workforce? Is there any kind of repercussions from that sort of mindset or even the constant pressure to succeed in what you're doing on a day-to-day basis?
2: I think some people get very disillusioned mm. that this is what I worked so hard for and this is where, where I ended up. Even even in high in college, people who get into a good college are like, this is what I worked my whole life to get into. This is, what is this?
1: Yeah, there disillusionment, of- depression is common. They even have a name for it, gogatsu-byo. It's like May sickness because huh. you start a new job or a new university in April. And a month later, you're like, wow, this is what I worked for.
0: Wow. I want to get into how your ministry in Japan brings hope to these people. But before we do that, I want to kind of go back to the start of your story. And when you said you got married shortly after you graduated from right, college right two so weeks two weeks after you got after you graduated from college so then when did you start to like pursue global missions from like a an agency standpoint of like we're going to put in the application we're going to start taking steps forward and at that point you kind of sensed maybe japan but why did you end up landing on that for sure
1: So we were both interested in going to Japan, but we didn't want to have to raise support. We wanted to find out what Japan was like. I was actually born in Japan.
0: Were you really?
1: Yeah, maybe I should have mentioned that earlier. (laughs) But uh, my father was working there. So my family lived there five years. Okay. But we left six months after I was born. Okay. So I grew up hearing about Japan and having contact with Japanese people and missionaries from Japan. So. I had a strong interest in going back. Yeah. I didn't remember anything, but we wanted to go and see what it was like. And so we thought we'd go for a short term, like for two years. And it's, at that time, it was very easy to get jobs teaching English in Japan. Okay. So we wanted to get jobs, work, live there for a few years, see what it was like. Ask the Lord for his leading, if that's what we should do and if that's where we should go long term and what kind of work we should get involved in there.
2: So we sent out a lot of letters uh, before we got married, a lot of letters to churches, to organizations asking you know what kind of opportunities there were for us. And pretty much the only response we got was from the YMCA.
1: And so through an amazing uh, set of circumstances, God worked it out that we were hired in Chicago, which was right near Wheaton College. Mm-hmm. So we were both hired to go work as teachers in Osaka, Japan, which is about 300 miles southwest of Tokyo. Okay. And we both were working in the same school, a brand new international high school, wow. uh, as English teachers there.
2: But it's interesting because our job description when we signed up was to teach conversational English to businessmen and women. Huh. We didn't know until we got there that they actually put us in a high school which comes right back to our desire to minister to high school students. So God worked that out perfectly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's incredible.
0: So you're with the YMCA. How then, because you're now with International Chapel Ministries. So how did that transition end up happening?
2: My desk was right next to a pastor who was a pastor at International Chapel. Okay. And he invited us to, to our chapel and we went and we just have been going ever since.
0: Wow. So what is ICM's sort of mission and what are they all about?
1: So International Chapel Ministries has started International Chapels, which are bilingual international churches. And so... The services are in English and Japanese, uh, so international people can come and worship together with Japanese people. That's cool. And lots of Japanese people are interested in learning English, even though they're not interested in the Bible or, or Jesus yet. They would come because they want to study English, talk to foreigners, practice their English. And so they could hear a message in English with the translation. So it would help their English improve. And it was really exciting for us, even the first week we were there, there were a lot of non-Christians at the, at the church and we could talk to them and share our testimony with them in English and share Christ with them, You know, our first week at the church, hmm. which we didn't know any Japanese when we went. Yeah. And so that was really exciting. And yeah, we were praying that the Lord would guide us to the ministry He wanted us to get involved in. And as we continued attending there, uh, we really grew to love the people at the church and the people of Japan.
2: So the first two years, we were on a work visa through the YMCA, and then okay. after that, we changed to a missionary visa Okay. through International Chapel.
0: Okay, gotcha. Was there any time in between where you had to come back to the States, or did you pretty much just stay in Japan at that point?
2: Well, I don't think we ever had to come back, but okay. we did come back. Uh, we came back two years after we... After we left. And then once we started having kids, it got a little more difficult because it's expensive to come back. Right. So we would come back once every three or four years. Okay. Okay.
1: We came back and changed our visa status. Okay. So we were there on work visas for the first two years, and then we switched to religious activities. Gotcha. Because we officially became missionaries with ICM. Right. Let me just share one of the passages of scripture that God used to encourage us as we were thinking and praying about, should we stay in Japan or not? Mm. And we had really grown to love the people at International Chapel. And actually, God gave this verse to both Jimmy and myself. And so in 1 Thessalonians two eight it says, Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. And that's really was our experience that we had grown to love the people of Japan and the people of International Chapel. And we wanted to share the gospel with them, but even more, we wanted to share our lives with them. And that's what we've been doing the last 35 years.
0: So when you moved to Japan and you were working with YMCA, you were teaching in a high school. Mm -hmm. So what has your ministry looked like over the years and how has it changed? How has it stayed the same? What, What have you experienced?
2: Well, for me, I worked at the YMCA for two years, and then I got pregnant and had morning sickness, so I had to quit. Mm. Um, And then the next pretty much 30 years was spent raising my kids, and then with several kids that had health issues and had hospital stays, then I was able to stay with them and take care of them as well. So then it kind of morphed more into uh, hospital ministry with other women who who had kids with long-term health issues, Mm. trying to encourage them and, and talk to them. And now that the kids have left the house, just trying to figure out what's going on. But during COVID, I took a proofreading class. So I'm now a certified proofreader. And my desire is to help missionaries write their biographies. So we'll see what God does with that.
0: That's really cool. I can't wait to hear how He uses that.
1: Uh, For me, I was working at the YMCA, and after working there two years full time, We wanted to focus more on language learning. okay. And so we stopped being full-time teachers and started studying language, the Japanese language, and got more involved in working with international chapels. And so that's when we officially became missionaries. And I don't remember exactly what year we became missionaries with Calvary Church, but sometime in the following years, we were officially recognized as Calvary Church missionaries. So I got involved more and more with the church doing everything. <laughs> um, building and maintenance and planning activities and evangelism and discipleship. And I was trained to be a lay pastor and was got involved in preaching. And so that was exciting and very busy. And then members of our our mission started an international Christian school called Kyoto International University and Academy. And honestly speaking, at first I thought, you are crazy. You have no idea how hard it is to start a school because we were involved in the International High School, uh, Mm -hmm. YMCA International High School, which had just begun. And we saw how difficult it was. Uh, And a few months later, the guy who started the school said, Steve, could you please come and help me? And so I prayed about that. And I felt like God was saying, instead of sitting on the the shore, watching the boat sink, jump in and help bail. Mm. And so I joined on, that was 24 years ago. And I've been a teacher and administrator at the school ever since. And God has really, I mean, there have been challenges, but God has really used the school to reach young people and their families for Christ there. And so that is still my main ministry in Japan.
2: So he's no longer a lay pastor at the church, though. He still does evangelism and um, discipleship. But it was just too much to to try to do both.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. How have you seen God grow the school over the past 20 plus years?
1: Well, we started out with six kids and now we have more than um, about 250 in grades one through 12. Okay. And so there's, it's grown in numbers as far as facilities. We went from using the church building and then built another building next to the church and then the school took over the church. (laughs) And then uh, about a year ago, we moved to a new facility Uh, which the church is still renting and using on Sundays. Oh, cool. So there's been the facilities changes, and also just the whole educational program has Mm -hmm. improved in many ways. We've gained recognition through uh, becoming accredited by Association of Christian Schools International and also the Western Association of Schools and Colleges. Okay. And so, yeah, the school has become a high-level academic institution, so... Kids can learn. It's a bilingual school, so everyone studies English and Japanese. Okay. And so international kids, like our own kids, could go and study in English, but they also became fluent in Japanese. Cool. And Japanese kids can come, and they can continue learning Japanese, like their peers in public school, Mm -hmm. but they can also learn English. Yeah. And so our graduates can go to university. Many of them can choose. They have the level of English and Japanese, that they could go to a Japanese university or go to an American university and be successful in either place.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So your students, when they come know that this is a Christian school. Yes. Okay. So what does that look like in terms of your class structure and what you teach and your curriculum and things like that, is it similar to what a Christian school would look like here in the States or is it set up a little bit differently?
1: It's a little different because like in our elementary program, which I am mainly in charge of, okay. 80 to 90% of our students are not from Christian homes. Okay, They've never heard of Jesus. Mm. And so it's gonna be different than a Christian school in America where I would say most of the kids have probably come from a Christian family and have church background. Yeah. So, yeah, before the kids come, I meet with parents and tell them very clearly, this is a Christian school. And what that means is the teachers here are all Christians. We believe the Bible. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And we love your kids and want to share with your kids about Jesus. But we're not going to force Jesus on them. We're not going to force them to make a decision to follow Jesus or force them to worship. But we want them to have a basic understanding of what the Bible says, who God is, who Jesus Christ is, what he's done for us so that they can make a decision for themselves because we believe that's the most important decision anyone will make in their life. Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, do you have any questions? Are you okay with this? And they're usually like, yeah, that sounds okay because most people in Japan that I've come in contact with are not very religious. Okay. They're more apathetic toward religion. Uh, 60% of the people in Japan are non-religious or atheistic. And so they're very busy with materialism and work and just don't take a lot of time to think about religious things. So most of them will say, Yeah, it'd be good for my kids to think about that, to learn what other people believe and, you know, learn about other cultures and things.
0: With the suicide rate in mind that you spoke to earlier, how are you intentional to share the hope of Jesus with these students? And how have you seen him change lives?
1: Mm. Yeah, from first grade, we're telling kids, you are made by God. You are loved by God. You are valuable, not because of your academic ability or how well you can dance or how how well you can do math, but because God loves you. You are valuable. And the person next to you is valuable too. And so in all of our classrooms, we have posted there's classroom rules and there's God's rules. Mm-hmm. And God's rules are love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we want them to understand from the time they're in first grade that each person is valuable. So we give each of our students starting in first grade, we give them a bilingual beginner's Bible, okay, which is like a Bible storybook, which they use in first and second grade. okay, And then later on, they'll receive... We use different like paraphrases or different versions when they're upper elementary, they'll receive like a Gideon's type bilingual English and Japanese New Testament. Okay. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, kids come to understand that Jesus loves them. As, as I said, we don't force kids to make a decision. We don't say, you know, raise your hand and repeat after me, but the kids are coming They're they're reading the Bible every day. They're hearing about Jesus. So they grow to love Jesus. And we have like joint homeroom praise time once Mm -hmm. a week. And they're like singing to Jesus and they learn uh, what sin is. And they learn that if you confess your sin, uh, Jesus is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So they are learning to live out faith kind of without even realizing basically they're acting like Christians. Yeah. So that's exciting. I I would say most of our students, by the time they're finished with elementary, they believe in God, they love Jesus, they know that they're loved by God and they're valued by God. And so I think that's the the best deterrent to suicide is to know you're valued by God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But I will just say... You know, there's a lot of peer pressure as they go into junior high, social media and things. There's a lot of other voices that get loud. And, and so many of them, even though they were eagerly learning about Jesus as in elementary, they become a little more cynical
0: mm-hmm. in
1: junior high and senior high. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. You said a lot of these families don't know the Lord. So as their kids are going through school and learning about the truth of scripture and coming face to face with who Jesus is, have you seen that then have impact on the families?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, There was a a family just recently where the little girl um, got the Bible and she would go home and and, uh, tell her mom about what she was learning about the Bible. And so the mom said, well, let's start reading the Bible at home. And so they started reading and, um, the mom said, this is great. I wish I'd known about this a long time ago. It would have saved me so much misery in my life. And so she mm-hmm. became a Christian and her daughter became Christians. They were um, you know, praying and reading the Bible together at home and started going to a church near their home and were seeking baptism. So
0: Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That's really awesome.
1: So I just wanna share about one experience that we've had that's really encouraging for us. When we first went to Japan 35 years ago, we were working at the YMCA. And in Japan, the YMCA is nominally Christian still. Mm. And so we said, well, we're working at a Christian school, we can share with kids about Christ. And so we started talking to kids there about Jesus and praying for them and inviting them to chapel. And uh, there was one young lady named Kazuko and she showed some interest and we invited her to church. But then she got a boyfriend and she graduated, went off to college. Actually, she came to Ohio State University for college and we lost track of her. Mm. Years later, my daughter said, Dad, you've gotta get on Facebook. And I was like, I don't need Facebook. She said, Dad, I'll make you an account. So she made me an account and I started looking through for you know old friends and kind of following friends of friends and things, and I found this girl, Kazuko. And I looked at her profile and under religion, it said, Jesus is my Lord. And I was like, what? She really came to know Jesus. And so we contacted her through Facebook. And actually, while we're here in the States, uh, we had the chance to go visit her in Ohio. And she had become a Christian and through her, her sister, and then her mom and her dad became Christians and her daughter has become a Christian. And it was so exciting to hear of her love for Jesus and Mm -hmm. just hear about her involvement in her church in Ohio. She goes to a Japanese church there. Wow. And she just looked at us and with tears in her eyes she said thank you so much for leaving your home country and coming to Japan to tell me about Jesus and that um, that is the work of God and it was so encouraging to us to be able to see that and um, we're just thankful for the opportunity to share Christ with the people of Japan.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And I I think it can be so easy for us to sometimes get a little down on ourselves for losing track of people. You know, I I know that that's been the, that's been the case for me in areas of my life where I go, man, I would really love to know where that person is now. And and I just, I didn't keep up with them, but to be reminded that God is still at work. Amen. And we just never know what he's doing in the hearts and lives of people. We're just called to be obedient Mm -hmm. to what he calls us to, and then trust that he's going to take it from there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And
0: that is just such a beautiful example of that
1: we just keep planting seeds and praying for God's work and maybe we won't see uh, the results while we're here but in heaven I hope there's going to be a lot of those situations where we see people that we haven't seen for many years who come and say thank you for the part you had in my life mm-hmm. but it's not so much about us it's about Jesus it you is. know yep. and I feel like we are sometimes have the privilege of being there and it's like God says okay You stand here and do this when this person comes and then God's going to work through this, through that, you know, and he lets us be a part of what he's doing in people's lives.
0: Right, right. And we have to trust that even when we don't see those outcomes, Mm -hmm. that we're still a part of what he's doing in people's lives. Yeah. And that if we're open-handed, we can be vessels of his grace so that others can know about him because you're right. That is what it's all about.
2: Yeah. We may not be able to reap, but we still can plant seeds.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: So my youngest daughter Julia, as Steve said, had a number of issues that came that came up because of her liver issues. One of them was uh, internal bleeding, and she she lost two thirds of her blood all over the kitchen floor. Oh my god. And ended up in the hospital. And I remember sitting there with her and just just wondering what in the world is going on. And and the doctors weren't sure if she was going to be able to live. And I got a call from the nurse saying somebody had come to, to see me. And so I went out and one of the ladies from our church just threw her arms around me and just started weeping and just saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just, I hugged her and I said, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate you coming to try to en- encourage me at this time. Yeah. After we got out of the hospital, this lady came to me and she apologized. She said, I'm so sorry for being so emotional. She said, I, I was drunk. And and I'm so sorry. And honestly speaking, I I didn't know the word for drunk in Japanese. So even though she told me she was drunk, I still didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what she was saying. Mm -hmm. But she thought I understood. But I still just hugged her and just said, thank you so much. I just really appreciate you coming. She has a a son who's deaf, and she knows what it's like to take care of a child that has ongoing issues. Mm -hmm. And so I just just said, thank you for understanding my mother's heart. And she was so shocked by the fact that I didn't really react to the fact that she was drunk, that she she went and she got help. Before that, she was actually thinking of quitting on God and leaving the church because she just could not get victory over this drinking. And when she saw my attitude towards her, she thought, you know, I think maybe I can reach out to my Christian friends and get help. And mm-hmm. she reached out to her Christian friends, and now she is one of the leading women in our church. But I had no idea, absolutely no idea that I played this part in her life at a part in my life when... I didn't know whether my daughter was going to live or not. Right. And I had no idea that God was using me in this lady's life until about two years ago when she gave her testimony wow. at our church. Wow! And so I just want to encourage people out there that the little things that you do, whether it's a hug or understanding or just praying with somebody, it's a smile, whatever you can do, yeah. little things can have such a big effect on people. But showing the love of Christ is just powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm even kind of struck by the fact that he used your ignorance in a way that he you did. you didn't really know what she was saying. And even in your lack of knowledge, he used you. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think that we could get in this rut where we're like, oh, I just, I have to know more in order to make a difference in order to step into that teaching role in order to, you know, make an impact on somebody's life. Right, And yet that's not always the case, you know, like you didn't quite know the language and yet you still had this huge impact.
2: I love how God does that. It's just, it's totally amazing. And he's, he's done that over and over again. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Praise God. Yep. So Steve, you teach and you are an administration of this school, mm-hmm. But you also just became the president of International Chapel Ministries. Is that correct?
1: It was a number of years ago. Okay. But
0: how yes. did that end up coming about?
1: So when I was working in depth with the church, you know, I was studying Japanese several days a week and I just would go to the church and say, what can I do to help? And uh, I helped the head pastor who was the founder of the the mission and, you know, whatever he needed help with, I would do it. And mm-hmm. so I got involved in helping to write policies for the church and I helped with financial matters. And so I became that led to me becoming the, the mission treasurer. And when we were having our mission board meetings, I would help get all the documentation ready for that. So. When the head of our mission came to the time where he was going to retire, I knew the most mm. about the running, you know, running of the mission. And so it was a natural thing for me to take over that responsibility.
0: So do you then oversee churches in other countries as well, or is it just Japan?
1: Yeah, just uh, just Japan. Okay. International Chapel Ministries is a very small mission, only working in Western Japan. Oh, okay. So okay.
2: We have two churches.
0: Okay. So... God really used your experience that you kind of had along the way to mm-hmm. equip you for taking on this new role. Right. Oftentimes, you guys even spoke to this in what you studied in college, but oftentimes we'll take on small jobs or there'll be something that'll come up in life and we'll have these little experiences and we'll think nothing of it and then God will use it down the road. Yeah. So do you feel like there are other experiences that God has used to equip you for what you're doing now in Japan?
1: Yeah, before going to Japan between college and Japan, I worked for an electrician, and that got us money to keep us living. But also, when uh, we were building a new church building and also building our school, uh, I was very involved and really did most of the wiring for the the church building over there. Wow! So you know, I never would have expected that, right? But uh, God used that, and I think. You know, from what I've said, you can tell I worked as a pastor, and I've worked as a teacher, and Mm. I can't say I really wanted to be up in front of people speaking, Mm. but all through high school and college, I was involved in choirs. Okay. And I feel like that got me used to being in front of people and feeling kind of comfortable being in front of large groups of people and just how to carry myself and not be nervous. And so I feel like God worked even through that to prepare me to minister to people in Japan.
2: Yeah, for sure. I kind of assume that growing up as a a missionary kid and also spending time in Africa that um, I would be able to have a great time in Japan and not have any issues. But I feel like studying about different cultures and what culture shock looks like really did help me because I, I experienced culture shock quite severely when we first got there. There were just so many things that were so different from what I was used to. But having studied that helped me to know what was going on and what I needed to do to overcome that. And it was a lot easier for me to adjust because I knew I knew what was happening. Yeah. So I feel like that was really important for me.
0: Yeah. Could you speak to a couple of those things that were shocking and and what the differences in culture were, at least the really big ones that you experienced?
2: I think uh, when we went 35 years ago, there were not a whole lot of foreign people there. And so we just got stared at a lot. Mm. And um, people wouldn't look away when you would look at them. So you just always felt like you were under a magnifying glass. Yeah. Also, there was not a whole lot of English written anywhere, and so we were very illiterate because we couldn't read. So even trying to figure out how to turn on the water in in the restroom, there's a sign there, but you can't read it, or how to use your washing machine. There was just those things where you're like, wow, I'm a college graduate, and I still can't figure this out. Yeah. You
1: just feel kind of (laughs) stupid, you know, I mean, honestly.
2: Yeah. And also the Japanese people, they don't come right out and say what they mean Like Americans can be pretty blunt, but Mm -hmm. Japanese people like to go around in a circle and then you're supposed to try to understand what it is they're trying to get to. And so, you know, we had some issues with not really understanding what people were saying and just trying to get used to what was going on.
0: Yeah, I guess I wouldn't even think about that because now in a world where, you know, in bigger countries, you're used to sort of this international fluidity, for lack of a better word, where they've gone away from words and they've started using pictures. And, you know, you have different languages that are written out. But, you know, if there aren't a whole lot of foreigners who are there, you're just kind of left to fend for yourself. That sounds very difficult.
2: Yeah, there's a whole lot more English written now. So it's it's a lot easier now. But when we first went, it was, it was interesting. Oh, I bet.
1: The technology now makes it so much easier. Yeah. Google Translate and there's, photo
2: translate on your phone. Uh-huh.
1: You can take pictures of Japanese characters and it will translate it into English for you. And oh, so wow. that's just like amazing. You what know? a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it really very helpful. is. Yes. So, yeah. but I think going through those difficulties back then, the thing that helped us the most was just knowing this is where God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. We could see so clearly how he opened the doors for us to be there. Yeah that we had assurance, this is where he wants us to be, and this is a phase we're going through, but we're gonna make it through. Mm -hmm. God's with us, we're gonna make it through this.
2: And the person who hired us at the YMCA said, don't leave in your two years there, because if you leave, you'll never experience real life in Japan, because Mm -hmm. if you leave when you're having culture shock, you'll hate Japan. Right? But if you can wait until that's over, you'll end up loving it. Yeah, what
0: good advice. Stick it out and endure.
1: And now we've been there 35 years. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Exactly. You know, we've talked a lot about a lot of the great things that God has done. But we also don't want to be disillusioned to the fact that ministry can also be really hard and there are difficult things that we go through. And Jemmy, you alluded to the fact that your kids have had some medical issues and even some of the ministry that's been opened up in the hospitals um, for you. So can you speak to some of the challenges that you have faced while serving overseas? And then how did that grow you? And then how did God prove himself to be faithful? through that.
2: I would say one of the most difficult situations for me was my third child was stillborn, and that was just a very difficult situation and yet through that time I felt God's peace like I'd never felt it before. It was mm. like a blanket wrapped around me and it was through that that I learned on a very deep level the love of God. Mm. Cuz you know, I think we all know that God loves us in our head, but it takes a while for that to move down into our hearts. Yeah. And that was the start of it moving down into the heart for me. And so even though I wouldn't ask for that, God grew me through that. And I'm very thankful for that. Mm -hmm. And just with everything that we've gone through with our oldest daughter had to have two brain surgeries within the space of two weeks. Wow. Um, And then um, our youngest daughter ended up with years of issues because of a rare liver disease and ended up having a liver transplant. All of these things have been very, very difficult, and yet God has never left us or forsaken us, and we've felt God with us through all those things, and God's used those things to bring our family very close together, and so we're all very close to each other, and so we wouldn't ask for those things, but now that we've gone through them, we wouldn't take them away either.
0: How has that opened up the doors for you to share the love of God in the hospital that you may not have had otherwise?
2: So I have taken time to listen to women because a lot of them, you know, nobody will really listen to them. They they say their neighbors just ignore them because they don't know what to say to them or mm-hmm. how to interact with them. And even though I may not understand what they're saying because they're using very technical Japanese and explaining what's wrong with their children, I can still listen and then pray for them when they're done or give them a hug or just try to encourage them. Um, I've had a lot of opportunities to do that.
1: I think... When we first started having the medical issues with our children, I saw them kind of like as just something that was in the way of our ministry, something we needed to get through so we could get back to our our real ministry and our real life. Mm. And then we realized ministry is right here and now, Mm -hmm. that this being at the hospital is part of where God wants us to minister and these are the people he's giving us to minister to. Yeah. And that was very exciting because it gave more meaning to what God was bringing us through, you yeah. know, that we could be there and touch people. You know, in Japan, many people wear kind of a mask and there is the the outer person and there is the inner real feeling. Mm. And often it's difficult to get into the real feeling. But In the hospital, a lot of those masks are just torn down because it's clear that things are bad. And so people are a lot more open to sharing their real feeling and seeing their need for help. And so, you know, being able to talk to people and pray for people, you know, as I said, most people are apathetic toward religion, but when they're hurting for us to just say, well, we are followers of Jesus Christ. Can we pray for you and pray for your child? No one said no. You know, no one was like, "Oh, don't shove your religion on me." They were like, "Oh, thank you." You know, and they right. would sometimes, you know, have tears in their eyes and just be so glad for someone to hug them and care for them mm. and listen to them.
2: Mm-hmm. So we got to the point where we would pray before going to the hospital. Who is it you want us to minister to today? And it was God opened doors that were amazing, and it just totally changed our perspective as well for the reason why we were we were there.
1: I feel like we became friends with many of our doctors and Mm. we would like have them over to our house for thanksgiving and one of our doctors i was able to lead to the lord and he's going to be baptized this month
0: praise
2: god so he i developed a thyroid problem and i went to this doctor and he was just having his miracle baby and so when the baby was born julia and i went and bought gifts and took them to him to give to her and i invited him and his family to our easter program just saying i want to meet your wife and your daughter and they came and he started coming and said this is the highlight of my week coming here to this chapel it just gets me through my oh, week wow. and 10 years later he accepted the lord and then yeah we just heard that he's going to be baptized
0: that is unbelievable and it gives a reason for your for your health issues as well right yeah it's like don't put a limit on what god can do mm-hmm. and yeah. how he can change hearts and lives and how he can even work through the things that seem frustrating or inconvenient Or the things that we just say, why, God, why are you doing this? Sometimes we don't get the answer to that. Right. But when we do get to see the fruit of it, it's even more amazing and shows his faithfulness even more. Yeah, Yeah. so
1: true.
2: How are your daughters doing today? So um, the daughter that had the brain surgeries is doing great. Okay. Um, And then our...
1: So our younger daughter... Many people at, at Calvary Church were praying for her, uh, especially as she had the liver transplant, uh, which was six years ago. And that went very well. Her liver is now functioning like normal. Wow. Uh, which is amazing. And because of her liver problems, she had many side effects, mm. which were sometimes life-threatening. Mm. One of them was pulmonary hypertension. Uh, she developed that so her heart would beat really rapidly but it was not able to pump oxygenated blood throughout her body to give her body the strength she needed mm. she almost died from that she was in icu for two weeks but god brought her through that and then she had the liver transplant and little by little that situation got better over the years to the point where this past december we talked with her doctor and asked if he would be willing to try taking her off the medicine that she was on for her heart. Mm. So this is six years after the transplant.
0: right?
1: And he said, well, we can try it and see. And then three months later, he did a heart catheterization to measure her blood pressure to see what the effect was of not taking the medicine. And he came out of that, doing that procedure, and he had this big smile on his face, he's like, these results are so good. She is like normal. She's completely normal. She said this. He said this is very unusual. This is very unexpected. This is very good. And he talked to uh, a specialist from a local university hospital and told him the results. And the doctor, the other doctor, said that doesn't happen in our uh, vocabulary. We would say that is a miracle.
0: Yeah, it's sure God is. did a
1: miracle and he healed Julia. He used the liver transplant, but unexpectedly he healed that pulmonary hypertension. Mm. And so we are so thankful for God's work in answer to prayer Mm -hmm. over the years Mm -hmm. and now
2: She's um she's dealing with some chronic fatigue, but she has moved to the States and she's living with her older sister and she's able to work part time. That's wonderful. Which has been really a great thing. It's allowed her to finally live a normal life, which was what she's wanted all along. Yeah. And so we're just super grateful and thankful to God and for everyone who has been praying for her.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And now we just gotta pray for the fatigue, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well thank you for sharing that. Like I said, we don't always get to see the fruit of our labor. We don't always get to see the outcome of our prayers. Mm-hmm. And I hope that this encourages those who have been praying that they can now hear
2: that she is doing, doing well. Yeah, she's doing well. We are super grateful for yeah. everyone who, who has prayed for her.
0: Yeah. When you think about the future, you're obviously here in the States for a couple more months into 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think about the future, what are your hopes for your ministry as you continue to pursue God's heart for the world, specifically his heart for Japan?
1: Uh, we've been working in the same area with basically same people for thirty-five years, Mm -hmm. which has been really exciting because I feel like some global partners kind of move around and they don't get to see what God does over the long term. Mm -hmm. But i have been able to see like teenagers that i led to christ i've seen them grow up and get married and have established christian homes and have kids and have those kids come to our school where i've taught their kids and you know see those kids following jesus and see the parents becoming leaders in the church and that's just really exciting and i'm so thankful for that And so we'll be going back to the same area and continue working with the same people. But I want to see our churches continue even when we're gone. I want to see our school continue. And Mm -hmm. so we'll probably have about another 10 years or so before we would retire. And so I want to focus on developing future leadership and helping people like while i'm in the states has been a a big step for our school it's the first time i've been away from the school for 24 since the school started right and so some people are like what are we going to do without steve (laughs) and but that's what they need to get used to and there need to be other people that step up and take leadership for the future so that school can thrive in the future Mm -hmm. and so that is something that i'll be focusing on in the coming years to make sure that those ministries continue.
0: Yeah, definitely. Jemmy, you said you're still kind of trying to discern what it is that God has next for you. What is it that you're hoping for for your ministry for the future? Or if you're not sure, what is something that you're praying for?
2: Well, I would like to use my proofreading abilities to help other people, but I'm also thinking about Maybe getting involved a little bit more in school. Okay. And what that looks like, I'm not really sure. Sure. But um, just praying and seeking God for how He wants me to become more involved. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, to close, I would love to just have you share a few prayer requests. One of the best ways for us to be able to focus on our value of going into God's world is to be able to pray for the world and to be able to pray for our global partners. So, what are some ways that those listening can be praying for you?
1: Yeah, that's great. While we're here in the States, uh, we have a variety of purposes for this extended time in the States. But ultimately, the most important thing is we want to bring glory to God and give him glory and share with people the amazing things God has done, both in our, our family and our daughters healing, but also in the lives of people whose hearts have been miraculously changed uh, so that they have come to faith in Christ. And so as we travel and share with people, just pray that God will be glorified through our work here, through sharing about our work in Japan. And I mentioned that our school has moved to a new campus, Mm -hmm. which is great. Uh, We moved a little over a year ago, but we don't have a gym. Uh, We've got 250 students and we have an outdoor ground So when it's raining, when it's hot, when it's cold, uh, we can't use the outdoor ground. There's no place to play. Mm. And for sports clubs and things, uh, we have to rent a facility and travel by bus like 15 or 20 minutes to use rental facilities. And so for the future of our school, we really need a gym. Mm. So I would ask that people would pray that God will lead us to people who have Have a heart for christian education in japan and would like to share financially in supporting our school in that way i was looking at the big empty rice field across from our school and saying lord this would be a fantastic place to have a gym and some parking and other things that we need and the verse that came to my mind was you do not have because you do not ask so i'm asking god and he is a big God. We need about $2 million. Land in Japan is very expensive. And so to buy the land and start building the gym would cost about $2 million. So if people would pray with us that God would provide, we'd appreciate that very much.
0: Mm-hmm. And God is big, so he yes. can. And even if he doesn't answer in the exact way that you're asking, he may have an even better idea in mind Yeah, for your gym. So we will pray for that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, Steve and Jemmy, I am so grateful that you took some time out of your schedule to share with us what God has been doing through your ministry. I know it's just a snapshot, but I just love hearing what God is doing around the world through our global partners and in the lives of our global partners as well. So thank you for sharing part of your story and also putting on display the work that God is doing in Japan so that we can continue to pursue his heart for the world together. I'm really grateful.
1: Thank you so much for having us here today.
2: We appreciate the opportunity to share.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Pursuing Life. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. This way you'll always stay up to date when new episodes release. We look forward to meeting you back here next time to hear more ways God is at work as we pursue life in Christ together. Until then, have a great week.